Every step I had taken from absolute to spirit and from spirit to God had been a step toward the more concrete, the more eminent, the more compulsive. At each step, one had less chance to call one's own soul one's own. To accept the incarnation was a further step in the same direction. It brings God near, or near in a new way. And this, I found, was something I had not wanted. I know very well when, but hardly how, the final step was taken. I was driven to Whipsnade one sunny morning. When I set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. Everybody, this is Ben and Dwayne here at the Whipsnade Zoo. <laughs> uh, we we are uh, just having a grand old time drinking our coffees and our sparkling waters and yeah. enjoying talking about our favorite moments in Christian history. Yeah, um, you know, I heard somebody say recently, Dad, that this is a great podcast because it's so digestible. So um, oh great yeah it's it's hmm. Christian history but it's digestible so I'm okay. just hoping we don't give anyone oh, indigestion uh, yeah or heart burn yeah no. we don't need any of that going on no, today no 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 but I uh, but I think you know these days podcast our maybe our tagline should be goes down easy so yeah so this is um, going to be this episode is going to be no surprise to everybody what we're talking about today but before we jump yeah. into it no I would I would like to remind everybody that you can find us on Instagram at will be going now or patreon.com slash will be going now join us on patreon for all kinds of goodies gifts and special access to our aftercast episodes mm-hmm. um, so there's you know if you just can't get enough of these days podcast then um, there's so much more available to you on the Patreon. Yeah. Great. Well, Dad, why don't you tell us about that cold open and the surprising, shocking twist of what we're talking about today? Okay. Well, it's um, this is today we're talking about St. Jack, the conversion of St. Jack. And that was from a book called uh, Surprised by Joy. And I'll pick up on that later because that's sort of the end of the story. But I think we should clarify this whole St. Jack thing for people who maybe uh, aren't a part of our beloved listener family yet. Okay. Uh, it's sort of a joke, yes. right? Because we're not we're not making fun of saints or you know people who believe right. in saints and that sort of thing, and we're not uh, it, we are saying that you know according to the New Testament every believer Jesus follower is a quote unquote saint a holy one, uh, in, in as far as the God sees them. So uh, anyway, just to be clear on that, but then the, that raises the question: Where's the whole Jack thing comes from? Well, that comes from C.S. Lewis's childhood, which fits in with uh, the whole story of the conversion of St. Jack. Uh, He was called Jack when he was four years old, and his little dog, Jacksy, was killed by a car. And he came in the house and said, I shall now, from now on, be known as Jacksy. Man, I feel like every story from C.S. Lewis's life 
has that tinge of like, oh, that's actually quite sad. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, that is um, true. Especially being, childhood. For yeah. being known as a jovial fellow, yes. he had a lot of sad experiences. But he was a pretty but sad dude until about 1930. But we also call him St. Jack because if the Protestants had official beatified saints, yes. we're pretty sure this guy would be on the list. Yeah, probably. <laughs> because everybody yes. is like gaga for C.S. Lewis. Yes, yes. He's just an ordinary guy, as we'll yep. find out today. And he would want to, us to know that. Uh, he would be... He would be, he's probably laughing in his grave that he is so popular nowadays. Uh, but uh, so he's, he comes in and says, I want to be called Jaxie, because uh, that was the name of his dog. Uh, but later on, he, he uh, shortened it to Jack. So for the rest of his life, that was the name. And you can see why. I mean, if your name is Clive Staples, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, what are you going to pick? I mean, I, I'd rather have Jack. So um, he was raised by uh, in, in Dublin. His parents, of course. Mm-hmm. His uh, maternal grandfather was a minister. In 1908, his mother uh, had uh, contracted cancer. I think they diagnosed it the year before. Uh, she got very sick. Mm-hmm. And in uh, 1908, she died. And he had heard awful sounds down the hall. Again, some very sad things happened to his childhood. But he had prayed and prayed and prayed as a nine-year-old that God would heal her, and, and it didn't happen. And he was, at that in those days, they kept everybody distant, right? The kids couldn't go in, couldn't say goodbye, couldn't yeah. do any of this kind of stuff. And it was just such a shock to the system. <clears throat> and he very much loved his mom. And so almost immediately, his father doesn't know how to cope, so he sends him off to boarding school. And in Surprised by Joy, you get the whole first part of that book talking about how tough that was, particularly after having just lost his mom and then right. his dad sends him off. Speeding ahead, uh, and on his 19th birthday, on uh, the uh, 29th of November, 1917, uh, C.S. Lewis goes to the Somme Valley. Wow. And uh, he, so he's on the Somme, and he... Uh, and, he gets in, a, in an assault, and in April 15th of uh, 1918, uh, not quite a year later, on the next year, though, uh, his battalion is assaulted, and two of his colleagues are killed, and he uh, gets wounded with some shrapnel and comes home. Huh. And um, so uh, fast forward to, there was a long um, convalescence from that, but really after that is when Lewis started to think about, you know, his spiritual life, because before that he was an atheist. And so he was, but since World War One, where he talked about, uh, you know, I think he said something like seeing men crawling like broken beetles or something like yeah. that. He, ever since then, you, you see, if you read, um, in fact, there's a new biography of him uh, by a guy named Poe. Uh, and if you read, uh, uh, I think his name is Alan Poe. Um, he, he 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 does a really good job of showing you all along the way where Lewis starts to say things like, "Well, if there is a God, and if there is, he's starting to warm up to the idea for like fifteen years." Yeah, and uh, that's because, as Lewis says, the hounds of heaven are pursuing him; they're chasing after him. Yeah, and one of those signs is that he met some Christian friends at Oxford uh, who were you know smart people that he couldn't deny. People like Hugo Dyson and J.R.R. Tolkien. And some of the other inklings, eventual inklings, inklings didn't exist at that point. 
but this is about 1925, 1926, and he, call, he says this. He says, the, these queer people seem now to pop up on every side. <laughs> At my first coming to the wor- into the world, I had been implicitly warned never to trust a papist. That's a Catholic person. Yeah. Uh, and at, at my first coming to English, the English faculty, explicitly, I was warned uh, never to trust a philologist. Tolkien was both. <laughs> but they became fast friends, yeah. and Tolkien was a Christian. And um, he, uh, he began to read Christian books. There were four moves. One of them was uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, but the, the creme de la creme, we mentioned it last episode, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, is The Everlasting Man. Or actually, a couple episodes ago, we had mentioned another te- Chesterton book last week. Because we are into Chesterton almost as much as St. Jack. Just about. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he's my, Chesterton is my favorite writer. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, worthy one. Uh, but uh, of that, Lewis says, Then I read Chesterton's Everlasting Man, and for the first time, the whole Christian outline of history set out in a form that seemed to me to make sense. Somehow I contrived not to be too badly isn't shaken. That, uh, isn't that interesting that it's Christian history that yes. finally kind of moves him along? That's the, very interesting, yeah. isn't it? I mean, we, uh, yeah, here we are, right here on the These Days podcast right there. But around that time, I think it was 26, uh, 1926, uh, he goes to this party at Oxford, and... Um, uh, he meets up with this uh, big-time atheist. Everybody knows this guy's an atheist. Uh, it doesn't want anything to do with Christians, calls them weak-minded, all this kind of stuff. But this this atheist gets drunk at the party, and he's having a conversation with Lewis. And uh, he uh, he says to Lewis, he says, you know that Christian story of a r- dying and rising God? And he goes, huh, strange thing. The rum, Or says, rum thing, the thing, uh, looks like the thing actually happened. And that really rocked Lewis's world. He thought, oh, no, if this guy's coming down, had a shattering impact on his, his worldview there. And, um, but if you fast forward to World War, I'm uh, sorry, to 1930, yeah. um, he sends a letter to his friend Owen Barfield, and he says this about how things are going for him. He says, terrible things are happening to me. The Spirit, capital S, or real I, capital R, capital I, is showing an an alarming tendency to become more and more personal and is taking the offense and behaving just like a god. You better come on Monday at the latest, or I may have entered the monastery. (laughs) So he's starting to freak out in early 1930, and uh, sure enough, he crosses over in, I think it's... it's, uh, uh, April uh, 1930... Yeah. That's so funny. That that quote reminds me of didn't um, isn't there a quote of C.S. Lewis where he says uh, a young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. Yes, yeah, you get the sense that he's like trying really hard not to be converted, but against his will, he's starting to believe. Later, he writes miracles, and in there, he has this passage about you know you know how God pursues us, and uh, he says it's like children playing in the in an upstairs room, and all of a sudden they hear footsteps coming down the hall, and they don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, but that's really how he responded. And, and this is sort of a unique conversion story. That's why, and it's not well known, uh, really, uh, like, you know, the Narnia tales or whatever. So that's why we're doing it. But at that point, March, uh, between March and April sometime in 1930, he actually goes up to his rooms in, uh, in uh, 
Maudlin College, which it's spelled Magdalene, but they call it Maudlin, you know, the British, how they like yeah. to change the words. Um, and he goes up his rooms, kneels down, and gives his, and, and says, or he, he, he admits that he believes that there's a God. This is a right. conversion to theism, not to Christianity. Right. And he says, you must picture me alone uh, in my rooms, um, uh, the most dejected convert in all of uh, Britain. Like just so, totally yeah, bummed. England. <laughs> totally yeah. bummed that yeah. he's believing this. Yeah, yeah, most dejected convert in all of England. Yeah, just like, oh, shucks, you got me. And then you fast forward to uh, a year later in September, he starts uh, you know, getting warmer and warmer, this idea of God, not just the God, but uh, Jesus. And um, and he goes on this walk. So Modlin College, where his rooms were, he had rooms that, in those days, wouldn't that be cool? It'd be like you teaching at George Fox. You get these rooms with a fireplace. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, And you can live there. That's what I expected. Yeah. And when I walked into my office, I yeah. was very surprised to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have I didn't have a fireplace. It's I, too small to even like, lay down. You guys, you... Where's, where's the fireplace at? <laughs> they looked at me like I didn't know what I was talking about. It was yeah, crazy. I know we raised you weird, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Maudlin is right on the River Cherwell, which is right on the edge of downtown Oxford, and across the way is this uh, deer park. And around the deer park, there's this walk that you can walk that they would. It's like what know, a half mile walk. Yeah, it's about that, and they they were Lewis and his friends would do it all the time. It's beautiful, you know, it's gorgeous. I, I was thinking because you, when you said you're going to do the conversion of Saint Jack, I was like thinking about the uh, Addison's Walk. Yeah, and I was thinking about uh, I I wonder if one of the under um, underexplored areas of C.S. Lewis study is yeah. the influence of nature on his conversion and subsequent subsequent uh, formation of faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he 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 was a lifelong walker he'd yes. go on hours and hours long walks and he he loved they loved living at the kilns on the mm -hmm. on the pond that they shot had back over there. hill was his favorite place yeah right? like the, I, I wonder if that's kind of like a yeah a missed opportunity not a missed opportunity but something we that people haven't really explored so well, much. i think that is possible. i mean certainly was a part of tolkien's worldview and yeah. uh, he certainly shared it with uh jack yeah with, uh, lewis but uh on september uh 30 uh Sorry, September 1931, September 19th, uh, Tolkien and Dyson come over for uh, dinner at the uh, Commons Room in at Maudlin, and then they go for a walk. And uh, I'm not going to read the detail of how he details it out to his friend uh, Arthur Greaves, um, his childhood friends, but he um, Tolkien stops and looks at Lewis because they're talking about myth. Yeah. Okay. About because they love these stories of the Norse gods and all right. this kind of stuff and the Beowulf and all that. that. Ever since they were kids, they loved that stuff. In fact, that was sort of their private hobby because hobby, they couldn't bring that up public to all the other scholars because they think they're a bunch of punks. But <laughs> Is that the, would that be the term? Yeah, that's that's it. Oh, you punk. It started there, Ben. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, Tolkien says, um, "Look, the only reason that you don't want to believe in Christianity, in other words, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, is because you'd be beholden to it, because it would be a true myth. It works on you in the same way as a myth, but it's a true myth. That's the only reason you don't want to believe it." And that just stuck with him. That uh, bothered him. They went back to his rooms. Uh, uh, Tolkien went back home because he was married and had a wife that didn't want him out all hours of night, and especially hanging out with Lewis. And so. Uh, Dyson stayed with him until three in the morning and talking about why Dyson was a believer uh, in, in Christ. 
And uh, just a few days later, uh, he, uh, Lewis writes uh, a letter to uh, his friend Arthur Greaves, childhood friend who's back in Dublin, and said, uh, I, have pa- I have now passed over. Greaves is a Christian, and he's been telling Lewis about this all this time. He says, I have now passed over. And what happens next is, is about in October then, uh, there are actually two trips to the Whipsnade Zoo. That's a great name for a zoo. I know, uh, right? Yeah. Whipsnade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, uh, there are actually two trips. I didn't know this until recently. There's one trip went with uh, 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 Mrs. Moore and Maureen Moore, her daughter, uh, who were living in the house at the kilns with uh, Lewis and his brother, um, Warney. And uh, they had gone with them, but uh, in order to keep the dog that they insisted on bringing uh, appeased, uh, one of them had to stay outside. And so, and basically, Lewis and Warney couldn't enjoy the place. Right. It's because they had to take turns doing that. So, at, at uh, this next one in October, uh, they go again. And uh, Warney's got this motorcycle with a sidecar. I've always wanted one of those, man. Yeah. Those would be so cool. You could put the, one of those on your uh, CRV or what is it? Your RAV4. RAV4, yeah. <laughs> Just a little sidecar. Yeah, yeah, yeah wouldn't yeah, that be nice? It. Yeah, I'm not riding in it. But uh, <laughs> so the <laughs> so the cold open was Lewis's description of taking that ride to the Whipsnade Zoo. When I started out, I didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. When I got there, I did. He yeah. said it wasn't an emotional thing. It wasn't necessarily a, something that he was deep in thought about. It was just like, okay, this makes total sense. You know so that, your theory about the creation thing might fit in there. Yeah, they're going to, yeah. yeah, they're going through the countryside to get to the zoo. Yeah. You know, that reminds me, that's always reminded me a little bit of David Brooks, you know, the modern uh, columnist. Yes. And his conversion story, he says that uh, over time, he it was like he was on a train and he looked mm. up and suddenly there were they had crossed a border into another country and he doesn't didn't know when but at some point he'd cross from one yeah. thing into the other thing. That's very much like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, one of the first things Lewis does the next year then is he writes his first Christian book, which is uh Pilgrim's Regress. And he writes it in a week. Wow. August 15th to He uh, writes that in a week? A little over a week. Holy cow. Yeah. Right out of the blocks. I he mean, he's just had, become a Christian. He must have had some uh, time off of work. Yes. Well, well, I don't know about that. He had he had a crazy scheduled life. But anyway, um, so basically what it is is and his it's describing his intellectual journey to Christ. He doesn't say it that way. Uh because he's not putting himself in the place of uh, this 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 pilgrim, as he as it said, pilgrim's uh, regress, but it's his regressing from uh, atheism and coming back mm-hmm. to the faith that he had as a young child. Wow! So, and that he was taught as a young child. So that's cool. Yeah. So the the so what is uh, what's interesting is his his books. I mean, what would it be like without C.S. Lewis and Quite frankly, without his secretary at the end of his life, Walter Hooper, who just died a couple years ago, well, we would have none of the Narnia stuff, none of the anything. Yeah. Uh, If he hadn't, if this hadn't, if this story hadn't uh, happened, if 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 Tolkien hadn't confronted him, confronted him with the idea of true myth. Yeah. Because his books still today sell in the millions. Wow. Get that millions. That's like seventy, eighty years later, and. those friends that surrounded him in the midst of his prickly atheism, if you will. I mean, we're not saying all atheists are prickly. We're just saying that, look, <laughs> yeah, I just want to be, in case Richard Dawkins ever listens to this. Well, he, um, yeah. he is very <laughs> he is prickly. prickly. Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking about, yeah. man? Although he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's getting, militant. Take, he's taking a lot of heat right now. He's is he really? Richard Dawkins. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, but you, you never know what God's up to. 
and what he's working in. So we shouldn't write anybody off, I guess, is the lesson of that. Yeah. And uh, you never know who's going to become C.S. Lewis. That's right. Could be the it's probably venerable not the, Ben. It's, <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably not the people you'd expect, the people who are like trying really hard to be C.S. Lewis. Yeah. It's probably going to be somebody that, it's like the Apostle Paul, somebody that God surprises everybody with being, yeah. this is this is going to be the person I work through. I think it's very, his yeah. story of conversion is very similar, and, and that's what I was going to say next, actually. Uh, CSL, uh, Jack here, is the patron saint for all of us who don't know the exact moment or time when we crossed over, if you yeah. will. Uh, we know we did, uh, you know, or the, we didn't have a dramatic conversion that was just like a big shock, a big story to tell everybody. Yeah. Um uh, it, but the Apostle Paul kind of had the same thing. He had a dramatic story. He gets knocked off his horse, and he gets blinded. He goes into um, Antioch, and uh, Ananias comes to him, and the you know, scales fall from his eyes and so forth. But yeah. So the question is, when did he actually cross over? When did he actually become a follower of Jesus? Was it when he got knocked off his horse and he heard the voice uh, of Jesus? Or is it when he the scales fell from his eyes? You know? I yeah. Mean, but the truth is, is that uh, the as um, Jack said, the hound of heaven had been working on him for years before this. Yeah, but that is why we call him Saint Jack. Yeah, yeah, because he he became a saint yeah. like all believers when they enter into the kingdom of God. Yes, are considered holy ones. Saints. Yeah. Great. So I suppose it's uh, about that time. What time? The happy clappy books and stuff. Books and stuff. Clappy happy. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just we love C.S. Lewis's books so much. This yeah. is going to be a fun one. I'm glad you said we. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I, I'm not going to leave you out there on your own, but one yeah, of us, yeah. one of us is perhaps more excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, we're both excited. Well, okay, both okay. Back at you on Chesterton, yeah. man. Okay. So I see yeah. a biography of C.S. Lewis on the table, which is actually my favorite biography of C.S. Lewis that I've read. McGrath? Yeah. Yeah, that's one you could recommend. You want to recommend that? Sure, why not? Uh, you read the cold... O no, you read another piece from this. I read a, a, Barfi a quote to a letter to Barfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, when, when he said um, that he was terrified that he was... Yeah. You might find me oh, joining no, a no, come, come, come Monday, quick, uh, quick, yeah. quick. So the, it's C.S. Lewis, A Life. The subtitle is Eccentric Genius, Reluctant, Reluctant Prophet by Alistair McGrath. And I think of all the C.S. Lewis biographies I've experienced, which is only, what, yes. three or four... I think that's the best one. I well, like he, that one a lot. He is one that corrects the dates that I shared. Like the dates, the date that Lewis has in his book, Surprised yeah. by Joy, which is his spiritual autobiography, yeah. uh, which is the first book I was going to recommend here. Really great read. But he, also, he says he, he came to theism in 29. But yeah. the, the when you look at his letters and stuff, it doesn't add up. McGrath figured out that it was actually 1930. So C.S. Lewis is, was misremembering. Yeah, So, so which is common in intellectual type people. Well, an autobiography too. You just yes. go by what you remember. Yes. But um, I think uh, Alistair McGrath is a Oxford professor, right? Yes, or was he is. when he wrote yeah. that. So it, it seems to me that there's this sense of, um, especially among uh, scholars and perhaps even people in Oxford, the sense of like, C.S. Lewis was great, but he, let's yeah. not let's not lose our minds over him. Right. Which, which England, England in general, yeah. you, you, you Americans are way more enamored with him than yeah. we are. Yeah, which is actually, I think, very helpful because Alistair McGrath resist the temptation to deify or like exalt C.S. Lewis. And he paints him as a normal man through whom God did extraordinary things. Yeah. And I think that's so helpful. That's part of why it's one of my favorites. And also why I've heard people really hate that book because it doesn't yeah. paint C.S. Lewis as magical enough. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. Well, and yeah, there was, it was not a perfect man. He had his foibles and everything else. Um, 
particularly in those days when he was just struggling, and he was really a sad person, really. He was an atheist, but he was a sad atheist, and he, he mocked a lot of other people and that sort of thing. But then he became that jovial person that you were mentioning. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was still intense in his work and did some amazing, not just in Christianity, but amazing work in his field. But So the other book I was going to recommend, is, I, I said Alan Poe earlier in the podcast, but it's actually Harry Lee Poe. Uh, spelled just like Edgar Allan Poe. I don't know if there's any relation. I have no idea. But he just came out with a three-volume set. And Lewis's uh, conversion is in The Making of C.S. Lewis, which is volume two of the three volumes. And it's really well done. I think it's... I was surprised. I thought everything had been said about Lewis that it could be said. And he was able to dig into stuff and put together a, a more uh, extent timeline. And you know, there's stuff I'm learning all the time by... Uh, reading this book and reading through this, because I, I have a class coming up. Yes, you do. Yeah, the end of October of this year. And if you listen to this podcast after the end of this year, you can still get in on this. You all can, if you hear this podcast, you can pray for me that uh, I'll do a good job on it. Because yeah. it's been three years since I've gotten to do this, and now I get to kind of move into teaching in a seminary and, and, a, uh, and you're, graduate you students. And in person in the classroom instead of yeah, all on Zoom. Yeah, boy, which that's going to be, nice. be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. And we're going to do an inkling style dinner together. Nice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I think that's what I got. Nice. Yeah. It's well, really been great. Thanks for letting me do it. Yeah. Mr. Uh, GKC. Yeah. St. Gilbert. Yep. Yeah. St. <laughs> <Saint> Gilbert. <laughs> well, that's the G. I know. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll be going now. Yeah.